This is an O'Reilly Media Podcast. I'm John Bruner. And with me today is Ken Krupa, who's the enterprise CTO of MarkLogic. MarkLogic is a company that makes a database for integrating across data silos. Ken, it's great to have you on. Great. Thank you, John. Great to be here. So uh, over the last five or so years, pretty much every big company has come around to the realization that data can be a critical driver um, of business value. And they've embraced it and they've installed a lot of sort of data-oriented systems, but often different systems in different parts of the company, different systems that do different things and handle different processes. So heaving all of this data together into, into a meaningful whole and um, trying to figure out what it all means is the topic of our conversation today. Especially uh, interested in operational data hubs. This is an idea that you all have presented. What is an operational data hub? Great question. And, and I like that you, you let it off with you know, heaving data together <laughs> because that, that, that really gives us an opportunity to, to contrast uh, what um, what we've been doing, and what uh, I think a lot of enterprises might have rushed to in the uh, sort of recent uh, high peg, as recent being seven years of uh, you know big data and alternate databases. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a bit of heaving uh-huh. in the industry. <laughs> um, so so yeah, we've been uh, we, we've been around for you know quite a bit longer. We've been around for you know a little over 14 years, and and so finally the market you know sort of came to us, and we realized, hey, you know we've been we've been doing this stuff all along, and. An operational data hub is essentially, it's a name we gave to a pattern that we discovered we had been uh, building alongside all of our enterprise customers. Mm. And yeah, and, 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 and what it is, is it, it, we, we chose the words carefully, not because, you know, we, we had to be, you know, as we, you know, you can't be as unambiguous as you would like, because in technology, there are a lot of overloaded terms. But uh, operational is a very key word in that it's not just about mashing data together. It's about uh, putting data together, integrating, harmonizing data for use in real time uh, and not just for, say, analytics purposes or not just for um, running reports, but to actually transact business on top of integrated data. Got it. And and um, how does this fit in with the idea of uh, an enterprise data hub and an operational data store? Um, two terms that that seem kind of related to this idea. Right. Right. Yeah. So you would think, right, an operational, da- uh, an enterprise data hub, and an operational data store got together and and, and had a child. <laughs> it's actually not. It's it's not that. <laughs> um, but. Um, so I'll start with the operational data store because that's actually uh, uh, actually that's an older term that goes back about you know roughly 25 years. It, it it came about right after enterprise data warehouses came about. In fact, right at the same time, uh, enterprise data warehouses were this notion of um, put a lot of data together from lots of line of business systems uh, so that decision support. And, and oftentimes batch reporting can be done across the different lines of business. And this, this goes back again, you know, about a quarter of a century. An operational data store uh, is something that came up sort of right after that saying, well, we need something with a little bit more of a real-time nature associated with it uh, that, that can respond to queries more quickly than mm-hmm. is typical of a data warehouse. But by and large, it, it was conceptually very similar to a data warehouse in that it was all post-operational, post-line of business operational, integration of data from a uh, query perspective. 
The other key thing about operational data stores, or at least the historical meaning, is that uh, there was this assumption that you were building these things against relational databases. Okay, so there's that connotation. Even though, even though now people are talking about operational data stores with other databases, the history goes back to relational databases. Right. And then an enterprise data hub is something that uh, sort of came about as part of the big data era, which said, "Yeah, let's 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 heave a bunch of data together, <laughs> uh, as you as you as you may, and it would it would be this this hub for um, sort of just passing data around." We made it clear that we were going to differentiate from those. The operational data store from the perspective of the connotation that we're not just relational, um, and also from the connotation that said, uh, this is mostly around query and analysis. Uh, you know, the, so, so that was the first thing. And then the enterprise data hub, because that was really associated mostly with um, putting data together on big data platforms. We said, well, we need to differentiate ourselves from that. Mm -hmm. So we, that's why we chose we chose the we chose the term. So uh, l let's put this in in very concrete sort of applied terms for the listener. It sounds like the operational data hub arises from the need for real time data rather than just occasional reports and uh, and mm -hmm. integration. Could you kind of give us a sense of of what some common applications might be? Sure, sure. So I, you know, I, I I'd be remiss if I if I didn't uh, mention another concept which. Um, which is really, really critical to why we we observe this pattern in the first place. So there's this there's been this distinction between run the business data and observe the business mm. data in the enterprise. And uh, the observe the business data is is all that reporting I talked about earlier, what enterprise data warehouses and operational data stores uh, were, were good right. at. And, and enterprise data hubs saying, let's just put all this data together so we could do analytics. But the rug business data, is, those are the systems that actually transact business for the enterprise. Those are transactional, they're very operational, and they have very different characteristics from the observe the business applications. We've been trained for about 25 years to think that these two functions of the enterprise don't really mix very well. Mm -hmm. And that's only because of the technology. The reality is that there are a lot of places where they do overlap. Uh, there are a lot of places where they're kept separately, but there are a lot of places where they do overlap. And we 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 introduced this term called like sort of emergent cross line of business mm -hmm. functions, where they don't quite fit into one or the other. So post trade processing in financial services is one of the places where we found this happening, where there are these operational say trading systems and capital markets that execute trades. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then after that's done, that transaction is complete, there's still work to be done by the middle office and the back office. And that work is usually done across different lines of business mm -hmm. or different trading systems. So the first step is you got to harmonize that data. But then other operations occur on that data that are not just query-based. There's actually work to be done, these cross-line of business operations. And they typically, outside of something like an operational data hub, don't really have a good home, particularly if they're data-centric. Hmm. Uh, the traditional way of, of integrating data in, in, uh, in, uh, in operational uh, run-the-business systems has been to pass messages around. But when, there's, when, when those processes are also heavily data-centric, where the data from those different lines of business needs to be integrated, the, the, the typical ways of passing messages around 
uh, didn't have an answer for that. And that's exactly where the operational data hub comes in. And so these post-trade processing examples that I talk about in capital markets are exactly those use, types of use cases. Now explain what you mean by data-centric. I bet a lot of companies think that they have sort of data-centric processes, but you, you're using it to mean something fairly specific. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, so I was talking about how the traditional way in which enterprises, and I'm using air quotes here, I don't know if you can see them, integrated data uh, from a, a run the business or operational perspective. And that's true, meaning that messages were passed between and still, still are passed between cooperating systems. And then what happens to those messages behind sort of the black box of that cooperating system mm -hmm. that's sort of com communicating with the enterprise, maybe through a message bus or a service bus, is, is, is a black box in that even though these two systems are talking to each other, the only knowledge they have about the data is the message that they pass between each mm. other. And that's, that's very valid in a lot of use cases. However, there are many use cases where that's not sufficient, where that service, that cross line of business service has to be data centric, meaning there are other pieces of data that have to be saved and stored that go beyond the context of those, uh, we'll call them silos, right? We mm -hmm, talked about mm -hmm. integrating data from silos, uh, those different silos. So when I say data centric, I say contrasted with functions, functionally centric integration of, say, service oriented architectures, where what happens to the data behind the service is a black box. Whereas in a data centric architecture, that involves services hmm. and, and harmonizing data. There's a lot of visibility behind the black box uh, around what's happening to that data. So in a data-centric architecture, you have um, sort of lower level access to the data behind some API. You're not just, um, you're not just approaching this, this kind of abstraction. That, that's right. And, and, and the reason for that is because it's needed. And I, I'll go back to those examples of post-trade processing. There's, there's, uh, there's activity that happens in the in the trade lifecycle in these cases where other where other things have to happen to that data and those things that happen to that data have to be visible, queryable, and accessible to other participants. You know, beyond just hey, pass me a message around what 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 happened. Where you have to actually see the you know you know the one plus one equals three say, between two cooperating systems that engage in a process, but then other data uh, um, resulted from it. Right. So uh, what role does the operational data hub play in um, in the kind of architecture that you find it in? How, how does it work with a service-oriented architecture? Yeah, so it, it actually provides the missing piece of saying, hey, you don't have to just deal with black box services. There's this whole data layer uh, below it that says you're not just getting a view into those independent services and whatever those independent services provide, you're getting a view across the data that resulted from the totality of the transactions across those cooperating services. Hmm. Whereas a typical service-oriented architecture is just about the coarse-grained endpoints. In fact, we had a customer uh, when they became a customer, a large healthcare payer, when they became a customer of ours, uh, as we were going through the cycle and they were learning about us and we were learning about their problem, 
it was a quote from one of the one of the enterprise architects, and he's explaining to me the sort of pain and the problem that he's going through. Mm-hmm. You know what? He goes, he goes, I've got all these services, I've got all these web services around my enterprise, and um, and, and some of those web services call other web services that call two other web services, <laughs> and one of those. Yeah, and he's like, and one of those web services in the middle, you know, the person that wrote that uh, isn't even here anymore. So what the next person does is like, well, they're afraid to touch uh-huh. it, and they write another thing on top of it. And he goes, and I just want to blow it all yeah. up. <laughs> that was his web quote. services all the way down. No one knows what's under there. Exactly. So, so you 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 have to. Well, it's a nice concept to say, hey, great, we could abstract everything from everything, and we don't know what happens to the data, and we don't care what happens to the data. Well. You know, ignorance is not bliss in that case. Uh, the whole point of this is to harmonize what's happening across your business and to see what's happening across your business in real time against these operations requires access to, to the integrated data. So let's talk about data governance. It sounds like if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're radically changing the architecture, the way that you handle data across silos, many of those silos have been put in place as a data governance measure. So how do you how do you address data governance as you're, you know, drawing together these silos? Yeah, so I'll start by that's a great 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 question. I'll start by saying we actually address data governance. Um, <laughs> earlier you said, yeah, people are heaving data together. Well, it's it's true. Uh, there's this uh, there was this uh, sort of like you know mad rush to say, hey, let's just put all the data in one place and and, and dump it together and see what happens, uh, and and wonderful things are going to happen. We're going to discover all sorts of great things. And uh, a couple of things happened that that sort of like burst that bubble somewhat. The first is okay, some cool things happened, but not all the great, incredible, wonderful things that that people were led to believe. Um, the second thing that happened was corporate governance, whether they be uh, people who were in charge of, uh, you know, the official canonical naming and modeling of Mm -hmm. things, or if it were CISOs, uh, security officers who were saying, wait a minute, when you put all this data together, you actually, have you accounted for the security profile? Uh, Have you accounted for the combinations of security, you know, that, that, you know, maybe, maybe one piece of data is, um, it has a particular security profile. Another piece of data on its own has another security profile. But when you put them together, it's even more classified or more secret, uh, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. because you could identify somebody more easily now. So the new wave way was to say, hey, just ignore governance, put, all, put it all together, and we'll just figure it out later. And that's obviously not acceptable. The old way, though, was to say, okay, well, we're going to take a boil the ocean approach, and uh, we're going to force everybody to conform to very specific uh, models and and we're going to come up with these perfect enterprise models that, that are going to describe everything as long as everybody can wait three years and the business doesn't, doesn't change. <laughs> Re- a realistic so expectation, imagine, right? Exactly. So you can imagine how things went. So on the one hand, you had the traditional way of boil the ocean and and keep the model stable until um, you know until we're ready. And on the other hand, it's like yeah, hand wave everything and just run and don't govern. Uh, the latter actually puts you back into the former because what you've done is you created yet another silo, a bigger silo that has to be governed. Mm-hmm. The problem with the former way is that it wasn't. It's not that governance is bad. It's just that the, the tools that we've been using to integrate data were just too slow and too inflexible. So relational, having only a relational database as the means by which to to um, integrate data. Uh, having a dependency on these very brittle and very uh, uh, work-intensive 
ETL, extract, transform, and load processes, Mm -hmm. those are the things that slow things down. What we do is we've removed a lot of the friction associated with that. And, you know, I could probably spend 90 minutes uh, uh, going on about uh, the various ways in which we do that. But uh, we've removed a lot of that friction by treating uh, models with the same level of, uh, of flexibility as data mm-hmm. um, by saying models models are ex- extremely important, uh, so much so that they can change uh, as frequently as your data does. Mm. You take that approach, well, that, that, actually get, that actually opens up the door for much better governance by saying, yes, I'm embracing change, but in a way where I know what's happening to my model as it changes. Right, right. Whereas it, yeah, and in the in the relational realm, it's like okay, I can only know what what's changed in my model when I've told you what I've allowed you to change in your model, and that's not the way business works. So we actually embrace governance from the get go by saying, as you're harmonizing your data, we allow you to um, to to apply the policies, and as as much as they change, as frequently as they change, as frequently as your models change, you can apply the policies. Uh, on an incremental and an as-needed basis. And that right there changes the equation uh, and allows you to still, I, I would say, maintain the speed of integration and the you know, hand-wavy approach, but with the same level of maturity that's expected by the traditional and slow approach. So you get the best of both worlds, and, and, and the net result is you actually get more data governance coverage as a result. So less heaving, more thoughtful integrating. That, that that's right. That's right. Awesome. And then, yeah, and then uh, you know, less heaving at the results. Um, right. So my guest today is Ken Krupa, enterprise CTO of Mark Logic. Ken, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure being here. If you're interested in learning more about integrating data across silos and implementing operational data hubs, you'll want to check out Mark Logic's webcast coming up on June 27th. That's available through O'Reilly, and you'll find a link to register for that webcast in the notes that accompany this episode of the podcast. With O'Reilly Media, I'm John Bruner.